Welcome back to the Super Soda Bros Podcast. I'm Caleb. And I am Luke. This is a News Fanatics production, just two brothers talking about random stuff. So, Luke, how are you doing this evening? Well, I'm doing all right. It's halfway through the work week, so I guess it's going pretty good. Yeah, same here. Not doing too much. I figured we'd jump on and do another podcast. The first one actually got some pretty decent views. I'm not sure what the statistics are like on Spotify. I'm not able to get that data yet. But as of right now, the video on YouTube has uh, just over 35 views, which is not great. But it's not great, but... <laughs> it's also like the first episode, and I, d- I don't have a, a big gathering on YouTube anyway, but I'm sure with time, those numbers will rise. And also, like, you gotta take into consideration when we did our original podcast way back in the day, we got zero views, so anything is better than that. It's, it's a... I think in programming terms, it's like a non-zero number. It's just like any real number that isn't nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, yep, I understand that completely, and I agree, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> this week's sponsor is Cheese Balls. I'm not sure how most of you guys feel about these little cancer-providing snacks, but, I mean, they're pretty good. They taste like cheese, and they're made out of balls. The real question is, are we sponsored by Utz Cheese Balls? Are we sponsored by generic brand Cheese Balls? That's the true question at hand. I think for legal purposes, it's going to have to be generic brand cheese balls, because if we say the other one, then, you know, we might get into some legal trouble. I don't know about that. Well... You think so? I I think so. I don't think we can put a name on them uh, for the people that sponsor us monetarily. I mean, I don't even think generic cheese balls sponsor us monetarily. I think they just give us comfort and joy. And big old bellies with all those free balls in our stomach. Hey, yo, what are you talking about, big balls? It's a hard hat holiday, respectfully. All right, so let's get right into the show. So the next big thing, something that's on everybody's mind right now, literally, it's called Neuralink. It's a project put forward by Elon Musk. Um, Right now, it's still in the, the development stages, but I think this is going to completely change how society is going to process information and interact with one another. So, Luke, I was talking to you a little bit before the show, and you said that you don't know too much about this, right? No, I haven't heard anything lately about Elon Musk and what he's doing. All I know is that he ditched California, big, uh, big, (laughs) did a big FU and moved to Texas, and that's basically all I've heard in the last month or so. Yeah, he was uh, basically just trying to escape the taxes and... um all the restrictions he was having with this company. So he just wanted to go somewhere a little bit more free Free. so he he can spend his money to do stuff like, you know, put people in space, build cars, and forward technology. And also there's a lot of free space in Texas. So if you want to do some crazy stuff, they're probably like, eh, go nuts. There's like a thousand square miles where you can do whatever you want. So Also, uh, wait, wait, one quick slide tangent for three seconds. Literally today, California just banned generators. For personal homes. No way. Yup. Really? Yup. Oh my goodness. That's that's yeah. crazy. Cause like, How bad do you have to be to ban a generator? Well, here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to avoid like um, emissions from them because I know some put harmful stuff into the atmosphere. Yeah, but al- also, if you think about it, California is a long state. 
like the north of it is literally touching the state of Washington, which is cold. Yeah, like those poor people over there who are going to get in blizzards. Like, okay, I guess we can't use our generators because they're illegal now. Because the people from L.A. have like the perfect energy system. And so oh, if yeah. people have generators, they're like, ah, I'm just going to turn it on for fun, even though we have the whole network to get power. I feel like the, the entire state of California relies on how poorly L.A. is doing. They're like, oh, L.A. is like just smog and haziness and pollution. The rest of California has to deal with what laws we put into place. The society of California is very similar to Pittsburgh, where I currently live, where you have the main city, which has its own um, culture and ideas and stuff like that, and even economy. And then you go 15 minutes outside the city, and it's a completely different world. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pittsburgh is a very big steel, or I guess it was a very big steel manufacturer. So anywhere where those steel mills are still uh, around, maybe they're not being used, but that's kind of where most of the rural population is. And California, mm-hmm. California is basically the same thing. Like you have L.A., San Francisco, Sac- and then Sacramento, a whole lot, and then just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, a lot of mountains, a lot of like nothingness. Or small towns and that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, steering us back toward the topic at hand. Uh, Neuralink is a technology which Elon Musk is trying to forward where it is a piece of technology that you actually insert onto the brain. It's going to be reading the neural pathways in your brain, hence the name Neuralink. Uh, And so it's basically enabling you to connect to things via Bluetooth, uh, the internet, and other devices, directly inputting them into your brain. So if that that sounds kind of, you know, authoritarian or dystopian... It's one of those things where you're going to be able to connect to your phone and uh, or maybe like music. So let's say you connect to Spotify, if Spotify has a plugin for this. Spotify is going to interact directly with your brain, so you're going to be able to hear music without headphones and without other people hearing. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. And all- that's, that's weird. That's almost like the cresting point of diving right into all the uh, end times uh, predictions and things putting into places injecting stuff into your skin that allows some sort of controlling factor down the road, potential controlling factor down the road yeah well i mean with with every technology there's always the um the possibility that it's going to be used for evil use i mean take yeah. a, take a look at you know facebook twitter instagram youtube where take a look at social media in general have we not learned our lesson already literally they use algorithms to kind of feed what they want to show you and even curating things by censoring or deleting things that either go against their guidelines or just simply things they don't like also uh, there's also a medical application to this it's going to help with neurosurgery so if you're if you're connected to it and it can read all of your uh, your brain impulse is going off. If that somehow connects to a medical system, then doctors can see what exactly the response your brain is getting if they're poking around or cutting things inside of you. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So it's going to work directly with uh, electrical signals from the brain to read how you respond to things. So a lot of it's going to be personalized. So you're going to be able to like surf the internet with a thought quite literally that's almost like matrix stuff going on just being able to do whatever you want in your mind that's that's kind of trippy it's really cool like this is something that i think this is going to happen in the next five years um 
maybe even at a, at a small scale, but I'm guessing it's going to be released to the public, um, if not for beta testing, for like, but for like really rich people in around five years. And then I'd say within 10 years, it's going to be more affordable to like the, the high middle class end. Like maybe it's going to be like $2,000 for one of these. And then obviously down the road, it's going to become standard. Just like everybody has a smart cell phone nowadays. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to have a neural link. Well, hopefully it doesn't end up being some really creepy uh, thing like Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook meta where it's like, oh, you can interact with everyone in VR. Excuse me, sir. Uh, VR chat has been around for like five years. Uh, get with the times, please. It's and, and the metaverse is such a weird thing, too, because it's going to be full body representation of yourself. Mm-hmm. And however you want to look, however you want other people to look. Also, like, imagine if they work together where you have a Neuralink interacting with the metaverse. That's literally... You're you're basically creating a copy of yourself at that point. Yeah, I mean, it can literally be the Matrix. That'd be crazy. I kind of want to be Keanu Reeves now. (laughs) Ah, we all wish. Can I I be Keanu? I want to be Keanu. You gotta talk like this one for the rest of your life. You gotta be, like, very grudgy and whatever man a dog has to die you have to kill everyone because your dog's dead and man our next segment is never barely fried so luke what do we have for the next segment never barely tried oh oh i just remember my brain stopped working for a second there um (laughs) It's just this, like, you know, simple thing that probably a lot of people can relate with. Um, The fact that, for some odd reason, I don't know what caused it, but doesn't it seem weird how, like, when you get older, milk usually tends to spoil quicker than when you were a kid? Because I remember being younger, and, like, you could have milk in the fridge for, like, weeks on end, and it's just fine. It's just milk. It's there. It's good. But now, like you know living on my own and buying my own groceries and stuff it's like yeah this milk's already sour like what the heck happened like i use milk every day it's like why is it all of a sudden bad did they change how cows reproduce milk did they did they change what they're feeding the cows are they feeding them soylent green what what's going on with the milk in the grocery stores nowadays i feel that i'm I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's something that everybody has in the back of their mind, but they never really think about it and just stays back there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it has something to do with the way that the cartons are made because I know a big factor of milk spoiling is actually light. So, uh, you you know, you've seen milk cartons that are yellow, right? I've seen clear and I've seen white. Gotcha. Uh, And I've seen cartons, but I've not seen yellow ones before. Oh, interesting. Um, there's, I mean, there's not very many. Like I, but I see them every time I go to the grocery store. There's at least one variety of milk that has a yellow carton. It might just be a Pittsburgh thing, but I think I remember seeing some in Connecticut. Uh, regardless, how light enters the milk uh, interacts with kind of uh, the types of enzymes that are in the milk, like that are given or taken from pasteurization. So that yeah. that is like if you leave your milk out. I mean, obviously, the warmth is going to affect it, but also it being exposed to sunlight. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you can, kind of like the same, uh, the same idea with like beer and stuff. Like beer bottles come in every kind of shape and color. Like you have stuff that's like, uh, you know, a lot of Sam Adams and some Yingling comes in like brown or really dark brown bottles, and then you've got like Rolling Rock and Corona. 
Corona, which come in green bottles or clear bottles. And then there's other beers that come in cans and stuff. So it's like every single variation of how the liquid comes in does take in some sort of effect how it actually tastes. And there was a video by, I want to say it was Food Theory. I believe Food Theory released a video on YouTube where they tried multiple beers and multiple different bottles and multiple kinds of sunlight and how and warmth and all that stuff. And it was actually very interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. I'm uh, sure you can just post like a screenshot of the video. People can go like, Ooh, look at it real quick. It's actually pretty fascinating. And I'm, I'm sure milk is the same way where depending on how it's stored and what it comes in affects how quickly it goes bad or how it tastes. Yeah, I'd be interested to see a video on that, like uh, if whole milk spoils faster than fat-free milk. Like well, we all know that whole milk tastes better, so like, why get fat-free milk? Some people have, no, they do, they do not have a proclivity toward whole milk where they have to get fat-free for health reasons. Uh -huh. Like I know a lot of older people can't really have whole milk just of how they digest it. Um, so a lot of older people get fat-free or skim milk. But you could just dump water in your milk and you're okay. That's kind of gross. That's like, that's, like, that's, <laughs> that's like, gross. Dude, let me tell you. Okay, so you know how nobody ever, ever puts ice in their beer, right? Yeah, yeah, I've never heard. Yeah, why? Do people do that? Do people in Pittsburgh do that? Um, n Not in Pittsburgh. Um, From across the, the blue ocean, across many lands, even, I'm going to probably get a lot of hate for this from my out-of-country listeners but uh -oh. a different continent uh -oh. some brazilians put ice in their beer no why would you oh my oh i why and and here's how i found out firsthand uh i was at a uh, thanksgiving party with some of maya's friends uh, maya is my wife for those of you that don't know she's brazilian Wait, will we? Yeah, she come from the Brazil. Wow. The greatest. Um, <laughs> the bestest. <laughs> but I, I was at a Thanksgiving party and literally everyone who was there uh, was Brazilian except for me and like someone's girlfriend who was, you know, from here. <laughs> like literally from Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, and then because like uh, one of the girls was making me a drink in the other room. She was making a very specific Brazilian way. And I look at it and it's got a big old ball of ice floating in it. And I'm like, I'm like, um, uh, thanks. Can you, can you take the ice out? And she's like, oh, you don't, you don't want ice in it. I'm like, no, not really. I mean, I know it's, a, I'm like, I explained to her, I'm like, I know it's already been in there for like, for a little bit already. That That's fine. I just, you know, I just don't want to have it with ice. She's like, okay. Why would you put ice in beer? That's like a much greater sin than putting ice in orange juice or ice in milk like ice and beer is like what are you doing go buy a bud light yeah and i wanted to confirm this because i know that this is not common yeah. within my other brazilian circles so i talked with uh one of me and maya's friends who we actually knew personally her name is cynthia i'm like cynthia do you guys do this and she's like i would not trust anyone who puts ice in their beer Hmm. I talked to I talked to Maya and she said, "Oh yeah, people do that, but it's not very common." And I said, "I just talked to Cynthia and she said that people who do it are literally insane." And she's like, "Yeah, does, pretty does, much." Does wait? Does Maya? I don't think no. Maya doesn't do it because I've never seen her do it. No, she she's not crazy. Oh good. Phew. I was gonna say like, oh boy, I hope she doesn't. No. Nope. Like, okay, so other Brazilians who put ice in their beer don't talk and hang out with them because they are mental. Correct. Yikes. Yeah. That's insane. I never knew that. Like, why would you ever do that? 
And wow. I, I guarantee, I guarantee, like it, pro- it probably happens more as a percentage in Brazil than anywhere else. But I am by no means wiping it off the table that other cultures and other countries do this. I'm calling that right now. Still though, that's weird. That's like the probably the now that's my new top sin. Like that tops a lot of people do this. It's not that weird, but I think it's weird. Ketchup on eggs. The ice in the beer takes the cake for the weirdest thing, like the weirdest mixture that should not be allowed. Well, do you want to pump it up one step further, putting ketchup on spaghetti? All right, that's tied for beer and ice. Well, it might be worse. I don't know. That screams like my inner Italian is like, you must kill everyone. I think you can get... Uh, I really hate to say this because against it goes against every fiber of my being, but I think you can rate ice inside of beer pretty high on the gross food list there's a lot of other gross foods that easily blow that out of the water well yeah correct gross foods but i mean like food just sins. ruining something like ruining something yeah 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 ketchup on spaghetti is probably right there with it either better or worse i don't know tied well here's one that i don't think anyone does but imagine e- like taking a bowl of ice cream warming it up in the microwave and then eating it why just, just ima- eat it just cold. Like, do, do, a, do a thought experiment with me. You take a big old bowl of like moose, moose tracks, like a moose tracks ice cream. Just put it in the microwave. But you're just getting a milkshake at that point, kind of. But like warm. It's warm and soupy. It's not even thick. It's very thin because the, it got microwaved. The only time that like that's good is if it's like a hot day and you're just like eating it in a bowl and it's just melting naturally. That's fine. But when you're like purposefully go out of your way to microwave ice cream, you're you should have a straight jacket on or something. Like I like my ice cream warm and curdling. <laughs> well, no. Do you know someone who does that? No. No. Who, do you do that? Do you do that? No, I don't. That's stupid. I'm stupid. Do you wear straight jackets for fun? Yes. Oh. Okay, do you actually warm ice cream? Because I'm gonna have to talk with you. No, no, no. I, I do not. Okay, I get okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure we're still related. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know about that. Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, jumping into the next order of business. We kind of wanted to touch back up on this because we had talked briefly last episode about Halo Infinite. Uh, as you m- might remember, uh, we recorded that episode the day before the campaign released for Halo Infinite. So now it has. It's about a week later, and Luke, you and I have both played the campaign for a couple hours at this point. I think I have yeah, I have, I have maybe 10, 11 hours in the campaign. Yeah, we're only probably... We've done a quite a few side missions, but we're probably 7 hours in, I would say. Okay, okay. A decent Maybe chunk six, of time. Seven, something like that, yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's give our thoughts uh, on the campaign so far. Uh, spoiler free for those of you that are oh, already on the best. campaign. Yeah. Um, so what were your initial thoughts going into it? The first mission definitely felt like a good classic OG Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3 campaign where it's like you're, you have like a set goal and you're going to this location. You're going through like even like the art style and like um, architecture design and the like even like the lighting very much felt like playing truth and reconciliation on halo one where you're going through like these doors that like open in three ways and these these long hallways and like gradual ups and downs and stuff for hallways and whatnot and even with like the throne rooms remind me very much of halo 3 when you're fighting against the prophets 
Um, I can't remember the name of the mission, but when you're fighting against prophets, um, oh, that and, gave me very in Halo Three. It was either Halo Two or Halo Three. It might have been Halo Two. It might have been the um... that that bit uh, regret. Yeah, regret. Yep, yep, yep. That's what reminded me of. No, no, but um, what what it, what it really encompasses here, if I can just cut you off real quick, um, it, if I could think of a single Halo level that best describes Halo Infinite so far, it would actually be the Silent Cartographer. Yeah, because it's like big, open, natural layout even just like halo like the mission halo just like open just openness like yeah room to move and then once you get inside of the structures it's kind of that cramped hallway feel that you were talking about yeah that's a, that's a really good point i feel like yeah halo infinite campaign feels very much like halo one campaign where it's like either open spaces or like claustrophobic hallways which is wild because it's 20 years later and we have this yeah. modern game with modern technology echoing the very first iteration of the mm -hmm. series but so far i'm really really enjoying it and then once you're out of that first mission it kind of takes a drastic turn of being like okay you guys are warmed up all you classic halo gamers are good here's how the game actually is and then it throws you into this world that is like actual like open world where it's like you know it gave me a far cry vibes being like oh here's this like enemy base go there and take it over and do your thing and then there's like, okay, here's like side missions you can do. Here's like rescue fire teams you can go help out, or you can just do the uh, the main campaign. So so far, I'm really liking the freedom of it and being able to kind of do whatever you want in whatever pace you want to do it. So if you really wanted to, you could do every side mission in an area and then do the campaign, and then every side mission and then the campaign mission. Right. Or right. you can or you, or you can just straight up blast through the campaign. But either I, way, I think a lot of a lot of times you uh, you do have to do some of the side missions because there's uh, assassination contracts where you basically have to defeat a small camp of enemies, but mainly you have to kill the main dude, which has a very specific upgraded version of a existing weapon. For example, mm -hmm. there's the weapon the skewer, which basically fires a giant spike. Super um, cool gun amazing but then the assassination reward for a specific boss is that same weapon but when the the spike hits some something it then explodes so it's kind of hmm. like a rocket launcher attached to it or like there's an energy sword that swings faster for example um and there's also different collectibles around the map whether it's multi yeah, multiplayer have... cosmetics or um with these things called spartan cores which upgrade your abilities we have not found a single collectible, and we have not found a single assassination mission. Or Dude, just been too lazy to look around. So the way that you find those, because they're not on the map immediately, you do have to take over um, an enemy base, which are those big red icons on the map. Oh, and then from there you have to go do it? It's kind of like in Shadow of Mordor, where you take over a tower, and then it reveals all of the things in your area. You can still find those things on your own if you're just randomly exploring a random area, but in order to get all of the waypoints active on the map for you to actually then hunt and find, you have to take over uh, a red enemy base first. That's good to know, because then that's probably what Christine and I will do now, is just go take over all those bases, because we skipped like one or two or three of them. Yeah. Take over those bases and then, you know, get those final couple things. And the thing that you've really got to go for are those Spartan cores, which get, upgrade your abilities. Because yeah. if you're playing with just a single tier of all your special abilities, you're really losing out on a lot. Yeah, like, like the first thing we did was to grapple, and being able to shock people like when you grapple onto them is so much fun. It's a game changer. Yeah, like it seems like, wow, 
look at that. I'm like, yeah, wow, look at that. Like, you're, like, shocking a brute from, like, 30 feet away and pulling yourself at him and you, like, melee him and stuff. Oh, it's so cool. You can actually, as you're pulling yourself toward him, once you get, like, within 10 feet, you can actually interrupt your grapple by shooting. So you can shoot him, and then as you land, you melee him. Yeah, I've done that accidentally a couple times. Gotcha. (laughs) <laughs> but like oh you can do that and also with the jackals because uh for you guys that don't play halo there are these enemies called the jackals and they have energy shields which makes them really hard to shoot you can actually grapple them so their shield lifts and then you grapple them again to actually pull yourself toward them hmm. so it kind of disrupts their being <laughs> i don't know stuff uh, of things but also with the variety of unlockables and stuff like that in the Halo campaign We'll get into the story, not the story, but we'll touch upon kind of the themes of the main campaign story. Um, There is a lot of variety with the weapons. Uh, We see some classic weapons returning, like the assault rifle, pistol, battle rifle, but then we have some... Yeah. The Needler. I was going to say, if if Halo ever leaves up the Needler in a game, they're going to have an upset. Yeah, I feel like the Needler's like the OG classic. Like you get the gun in Halo One, you're like, oh, "What is this?" It's pink and it tracks people. That's weird. It's spiky. It's very spiky. <laughs> and then you have new weapons, like a different version of the shotgun. There are some alien weapons that are different, like the skewer that we talked about. I definitely like the variation in the, in the how guns are actually quite different, and each one has its own purpose. Because in Halo, in all the Halo games. You can kind of get away with every gun doing what it does, but in Halo Infinite, every gun has a specific purpose, and you're like, okay, I need this because it can do this, and it does it well. Yeah, like, you gotta go into a heavy encounter with some kind of heavy weapon, whether that's, like, an energy sword, or the skewer, or a rocket launcher, just so you can, like, Mm -hmm. blow up tough enemies in one shot. One thing that I've definitely noticed is I'm leaning towards snipers or long-range guns a lot more in this, since it's open world. So I can pick off all the weaklings and then go in and finish everyone off. Gotcha. I'm kind of the same way too. Like with the skewer, you can kind of snipe people from way out. And so I just take out all the big boys with that and then take on the boss and small people yeah. on their own. Um, That's another thing we touch on real quick is that there's actually bosses for the first time in an Halo game, kind of. Where they actually have like health bars and stuff and they have different attack patterns and defensive patterns, which I think is a great little touch to the game so it gives it even that much more a difference from the other halo games yeah there's some bosses that you can't really avoid in the campaign like the actual main story missions but with uh all the assassination contracts it's one big baddie that you gotta defeat and he has his own shtick like it's either a guy in a wraith or a guy with a hammer or maybe it's just a grunt there's a uh, i forget what the name of the enemy is but it's literally just a grunt and he's so weak, you could run over him with the vehicle and he dies in one shot. So I feel like they put that in there just for a meme. I think so too. And have you been listening to the all the grunt uh, dialogue? It's actually really, really funny. Like sometimes I just hang out and just listen to him. And Christine's like, what are you doing? And then she laughs. I'm like, that's why I'm waiting because they tell funny jokes and stuff. I listen to them as much as I can. Um, yeah. I, I think I haven't gotten any rare ones like um, fourth wall breaking, like Haha, I told you it was my turn to play the Xbox now. Or like the, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you come across it, but you know, do you know the signal towers that put out the radio transmissions? Like it's like grunt radio or something. 
No. Um, if you find them around the map, um, there's like a grunt radio announcer where I saw, I saw this clip on TikTok where it's this grunt saying, I just found out the demon's name. The Master Chief's real name is John. John? Who's called John? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And so you destroy the towers and then you get like this resource called Valor, which unlocks uh, Marines and weapons and vehicles for your bases around the map. But mm-hmm. it's, they're basically just you find them and you listen to them for a minute or two and then destroy them. Hmm. But they're really funny. And also, for the first time ever in a Halo game, the Jackals actually speak English. Oh, they do. They do. In and the... also, I've noticed. I've also noticed um, elites and brutes and stuff. They call each other by their actual species, not by jackal or grunt. They actually go like Kigyar and Singhili and all that stuff, which is actually kind of cool. Because there was one time a brute was like, "Ah, oh, the Kigyar will take care of them," and I instantly go pop, 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 and kill them all. I'm like, huh? I actually, I don't think I've ever remembered in any other Halo game where the one species like talks about another species. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember any either, because I know they they referred to the prophets all the time, like just the That's regular enemies are like, you know, uh, the prophets be blessed or something like that during the games. But yeah, no, I, I like how more world building they're getting. That's my kill. I get the spoils. You know, they're kind of like scavengers. And then the ungoy, mm-hmm. the grunts are just funny. The brutes are very brutal and stuff. And the elites are all about honor and honor and purpose respect and loyalty and calling and all that yeah so i really like those small touches that they put in yeah. for the, the that, dialogue i feel like that's what halo infinite is it's like very different but it cleans up a lot of the little things that every, all the like deep halo fans really really want it's like okay they're really fine-tuning every detail that they can with what they have so i'm really liking the campaign so far like a lot right. um before i leave for work most days i play 30 to 45 minutes of the campaign just to kind of get my feet wet a little bit getting ready for the day yeah luke you and christine are going to have a lot of trouble getting the collectibles if you haven't yet because there's a lot of climbing you have to do a lot of climbing. oh jeez. Be, be ready to use that grapple hook over the entire map oh man it's not it's not necessarily things that are hard to get to but in order to get up mountains quicker you're going to have to grapple off trees and stuff yeah yeah, grappling is definitely, like, fun, but if you miss one little step, it's like, oh, i got to restart all that again. Yeah. Well, I've definitely gotten better. When I first when I first started doing the grapple, when I first started playing the campaign, even multiplayer, I was so bad at it, but I've definitely learned how to be Spider-Man a little bit more. It's by far the most used ability that oh, I have. 100%. 100%. I never use anything else. Yeah, they're really? like, here's a shield, here's a radar. I'm like, screw that, give me the grapple, I'll use that all day. Totally forgot what I was gonna say. That's that's unfortunate. You're just probably gonna say how great I am. That's probably about it. Hey Luke, you're pretty great. Ah, oh, gee, swell, awesome. Thanks, pal, buddy. You're you're the greatest, and I think that everybody wants to be like you. What? I think everyone wants to be like Joel Byron. Now, why would they want to do that? I won't give them big old kiss on the lip. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so, Luke, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else you kind of want to rant about? No, not really. There's nothing. I don't feel like being mad. Got to head to the kitchen and clean some stuff up. But there's there's, there's something there's something in the kitchen. You smell bacon.
you know, <laughs> uh, insert Jackie Chan outtakes here. Ciao. Love being the baby. Let's go. I'm I'm store fed. I I eat the pre-made stuff from Walmart. I don't I don't do natural. My mommy buys it for me. My mommy buys me Kool-Aid. <laughs> Is that why you're gonna die of a heart attack at age six? <laughs> I'm just injecting it into my bloodstream like it's cool. It's my doll.